0: Hello everyone, this is part one of the challenges of the quarter-life crisis series. It will be a monologue rather than an interview. So, starting with the introduction, what even is the quarter-life crisis? I define it as when you graduate, undergrad, or high school slash community college and don't know whether or not to try to get more education, enter the workforce, where to settle down and whether, whether or not to get married, essentially all those decisions about what your future is going to look like. And the quarter life crisis can start the very first time you are fully responsible for your own decisions. So if you are independent from 18, then you can start your quarter life crisis. Then if you are on your parents dime until you're out of college or on Even if you're not on your parents' dime, scratch that, if you're on anyone else's dime, so if you take on a lot of debt to go to college, you now have some kind of external duty or responsibility that you didn't have before that stretches on into the future. And the quarter life crisis starts when you have to independently confront all of those challenges. So it can go on for a very long time, ten years, um, sometimes, sometimes indefinitely, all the way. Sometimes the midlife crisis and the quarter life crisis stretch on where you never really figure yourself out. It's all about, quote-unquote, figuring yourself out and, quote-unquote, getting yourself together. So the more challenges Mm -hmm. you have, the worse it's going to be. And for some people, there's no crisis at all. So with that, I will start talking about my own quarter-life crisis situation in the hopes that it can help anyone who can relate Um, with this entire podcast, as far as the monologues go, I try to say what I wanted to hear or not what I wanted to hear, but what I could have heard or what I think could have helped me to hear when I was going through these challenges and alone, because I never really sought out any help or advice. I was, I didn't have any kind of, I didn't have any self-confidence at all. And so I thought that advice and solutions were for better people, almost, or for more capable people. So, lack of self-confidence, I think, comes from lack of affirmation, in my case, because once you're an adult, you no longer get any affirmation because you don't have the external duties. So if you sign up to get a degree and then get straight A's, those A's are affirmation. Like, oh, well, I I signed up for this challenge and I passed it. But in the real world, I didn't have anyone ever. No one ever tells you you did a good job. There's no there's there's not even hardly such thing as a good job. It's just whatever you want to do. Like, you can be a bad person, a selfish business person, a kind business person, a s- selfish nobody, a kind nobody. Like, you can do whatever you want. And the only person who you should care about, there's plenty of people who can tell you. I mean, go to church or something if you want to be told whether or not you're doing a good or bad job. And you should. like, You know, I have started going to church again um even as an agnostic but the point of that is to illustrate how only you can decide whether or not you did a good job if you want to have any kind of shot at lasting happiness because otherwise you're you're kind of just chasing affirmation and you can't ever really You end up miserable if you try to live through that and. I always felt very indebted. So I thought after I sought affirmation because I was indebted, felt indebted. And also because I felt like I had a lot of opportunity. And so I had to do something with that opportunity. Otherwise, I was wasting it and I couldn't get over the idea of wasting my opportunity when other people worked really hard to try to have the kinds of opportunities i had and then i didn't do anything with them because all i personally ever wanted to do was hang out just hang out so it was it was jarring for me I I think that I had a really acute quarter-life crisis because when I graduated undergrad, I tried to enter the corporate world, the legal world, grad school, law school, and I wasn't happy in any of it um, because I always struggled to function. I have this podcast will also discuss social anxiety, but I will just say here that I also have so much social anxiety that it made networking and putting myself out there completely impossible until, you know, a month ago. So I'm very much just working through all of this or currently working through all of this. So that's why I have just forgotten exactly where I was in the story. (laughs) But basically, you know, I went through this phase where I had no self-confidence and no sense of direction because as soon as it became about just do what you want to do, all I've ever wanted to do is get high and play video games and watch educational YouTube and read science fiction. That's what I want to do. I really like educational YouTube. I really like philosophy. I like um, politics. And I like opinions columnists. Like from... Um, I, I really do think that opinion sections are are like one of the the best ways to consume something like the New York Times or Fox News, the opinions columnists on the websites, you you do get like the most diverse array of perspectives. But you might notice that none of those things make money. And yet they're the only things I ever wanted to do. So I was at a crossroads. And it became a situation where working was just... Only something that I did to fuel my modest habits. So I didn't have to work that much to just be able to hang out on my computer all day. You know. And so I I didn't work very hard. I didn't work that much or very hard. And I had this sense of guilt that I had wasted so much potential. And, you know, I'm only talking about just a degree, a college degree, and good health. You know, and it's like, well, how many people would kill to be an American, a newly graduated American, you know, early 20s, healthy, this and that, like, life ahead of them. And then I just, quote unquote, threw it away, I felt like. So, I was really deep into it, you know? For a very long time, I was suicidal because I was consumed with guilt. Like, oh, well, I'm never going to be what I thought I could be or what I thought I would be. And it can be jarring to suddenly realize that You're not going to be one of the heroes. You know, like, you're not going to be a superhero. And you kind of, when you're young, you have this idea of, yeah, I'm not going to be a superhero, but I still could be. Someday. I don't know. But then as you get older, it starts to dawn on you that, like, you're just not going to be one of the heroes, you know, who's very, very successful and this and that. You're just going to be an average person. And you forget that society, you know, we can't help but water it down. However, an average person is a very amazing and valuable, wonderful thing just an average person you know so i think that the main issue with the quarter life crisis if i had to summarize what the quarter life crisis is it's an inability to find a sense of purpose and belonging in a way that also makes you happy and allows you to function so you're trying to find that symbiosis of, how can I do what I want, and also have a sense of worth? Well, there can be a lot of barriers to that. So that's what we're going to go into now. What are some of the main barriers in the quarter-life crisis? Well, by barriers, I'll, I mean challenges. So barriers, challenges that are universal, the most universal ones. First of all, everything that has to do with financial situation. And that can add a lot of stress and have a huge effect on self-esteem as well. So a lot of times you will have an expensive degree and end up working a very menial job where where you don't have any say in how you might be treated or compensated perhaps at minimum wage i remember when i graduated from undergrad and wanted to start working i was making minimum wage as a paralegal almost minimum wage um and so you go through that phase where you're not making much because you're sort of in between an intern and uh, an experienced employee. And that can really be hard because not only do you have the feeling of not being able to get the step ahead in the way that you expected with your degree but you also have the debt from it and you have to pay it off with this menial wage that you also have to be able to afford incredible rent if you want to be able to have a job in any um remotely urban or suburban area Especially depending on where you live. But cost of living's going up everywhere, you know, every hotspot. So you've got a lot of rent, a lot of debt, and not a lot of money, and not a lot of self esteem. And then all of a sudden all your sources of external affirmation just basically turn into like your performance review at the end of the year and that's not even about you that's just how what what the company thinks of you but it's not really the same as like when you get a a, an award in school or something because that's to you and it's your grade whereas your performance review is kind of like this is how you did when you were at work in regards to this set of goals And I always thought of academia as different, but it's not good to because I was very stressed out in college. Like I put way too much weight on my grades and they were completely meaningless. Like I could have gotten C's all through college and it wouldn't have affected my life even a little bit because I never used my degree. I never, I never went anywhere. I never did anything. (laughs) You know, I just have stayed, just done enough, uh, data analyst work to, we're going to talk about some ways that you can navigate, but just did enough data analyst work to survive and just kind of hung out. I, I, I had very, very, very crippling, um, panic disorder for like five years in my 20s. We'll go into panic disorder a lot on this podcast as well. So I had panic disorder. So I was living, I lived with my grandparents for a lot of years and that really helped me. I was lucky enough to have, you know, I could live with family and be, you know, and commute fine and and live fine. So um, that helped me during that era and then now i live with my partner and then before i lived with my grandparents i lived with roommates near where i worked for a couple for i think 2 years as well so i kind of got the the living in the low income area with roommates and then moving back in with family and then finally living with a partner After all that. So. That's the financial side. But speaking of the whole partner aspect. The quarter life crisis also has a lot of the social aspect. For me personally it was very hard because. All the people you grow up with. They scatter right. So the people you grow up with scatter and go all over, and then the people you get to know in college scatter and go all over, and then all of a sudden you're dropped off and you almost, you don't have any, I I didn't have anyone. So like, I started working in Los Angeles and I did not know anyone in the whole city, even though I didn't even, I grew up like an hour away from it and I still didn't know anyone in the city. I had social anxiety and was introverted. So I, I, I never, I had a hard time getting to know people. And so the most, my main social interaction while I lived in Los Angeles was through high school friends visiting me every now and again. And, you know, I was never that close to those high school friends. And so it didn't take long for me to just not really have any kind of social scene other than online um, gaming. I've always liked to game. And then I would also, you know, I really like YouTube shows like PBS Space Time and and other like physics and lectures and things. And so I almost formed a kind of like I felt like I was part of a community just because I was listening to kind of what was going on and staying plugged in also on politics too, like very involved in politics just in terms of following it. And I kind of got a sense of community because I was plugged into the world, you know. But I didn't get a sense of worth because I felt like I was just observing without doing anything. Or at least not doing enough or doing what I could do. And it's hard when you get hit with all this stuff at once with having to figure yourself out and then you lose your social circle too unless you're really lucky so you know it can hurt but there's a lot of other people in the same exact situation it's just like college right oh i don't know anyone well neither does anyone else so you're fine And so that's kind of how it works with, or well, (laughs) that's sort of how it can work. If you go to meetups and other things, any kind of hobby. And the issue that I ran into with that aspect actually was all of my hobbies were, like, male-centric, and I'm straight. So, you know, what I was into paintball, snowboarding, Escape from Tarkov, the video game, and some other, like, very heavily male-dominated, like, it was my guy friends who I knew who did that stuff. And so my partners like my girlfriends were always sort of like totally separate from the rest of my social group like and 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 i i i didn't spend that much time in any social group what i mean by social group is the rest of my friends like my friends were really disjointed and lived in totally different parts of the world and stuff or the country so like i would go visit one friend for a snowboarding trip maybe once or twice a year and then i would go you know like then another friend would be be in la maybe you know i would have i i had my my friend actually end up living in la for like a year and a half so that was lucky you know but it was always changing There's no permanence, and you don't even know what you want to do, and you get to see everyone else be more successful than you and do a better job than you. You know, at least that's how I thought of it. So, purpose and motivation. The final set of challenges are the existential ones. You have the financial ones, the social ones. And then the existential ones. The first existential element is the sense of purpose and motivation that we've kind of already covered, sprinkled through this whole thing. And then also your ability to function if you are ill, which is kind of a whole separate issue because I have both manic depressive, which is uh, bipolar and panic disorder. And also social anxiety to the point where I won't talk to people or network because I, I, I feel like everyone hates me and has disdain for me when I'm in the depths of my mental illness. And so I can't bring myself to, to try to network because I get so ashamed after every social interaction about things that I said or things that I did that nobody else remembers. And then there's also the mania and the suicidal depression, the suicidal ideation. Um, And then there's... Luckily, I haven't had physical illnesses, but there's also issues with drug addiction. Um, For me, I feel like if it wasn't for marijuana, I would have been a drug addict, but I was able... It just always did enough for me, and so it's the only one I ever did, and I was addicted to it, but it's not the same, it's not as life-changing as heroin is, you know, to be addicted to marijuana, so... um I feel like I kind of got lucky there, that it just always did enough for me, and I never felt the need to try another drug. <laughs> not, not even alcohol, I never got into. I was just like, well, why would I? I mean, what? <laughs> you know, I just was like, well, what? I just want to, you know, because I love being high and watching lectures and playing video games. I do the same. I do both at the same time. Because this is what I figured, guys. This is why this podcast, like, I learned all this random stuff. Because I figured that if I could watch a PBS Space Time episode, I couldn't fully understand it. Because I'm not, you know, I don't know enough. But I figured if I just watch it, like, two or three times, wow, like, had, playing some game, like, Hearthstone or Tarkov or whatever. I, I just kind of, like absorbed it over time because you learn the language that they speak and you get kind of used to the words and stuff. So um, I want to try to communicate all those hours. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, this took me 16 hours to absorb and this is kind of what I got out of it because I've noticed that there's all kinds of perspectives that I listen to, but I also want to interview people that I know so that you can show, I, I want to show how everybody has value if they've survived, you know, like we're going to have interviews, people struggling with schizophrenia or who have struggled interviews with, with immigrants, people of color, including um, my mom, which will be one of the first interviews. She's really nervous about it, but it's, it's supposed to be done on Friday. Today's Tuesday. So Christmas Eve 2021 is supposed to be when I do an interview with my mom who is a Brazilian immigrant to the United to the United States. Um I will also be interviewing fundamentalist Christians, professors uh also professors of theology. You'll kind of get to see the difference between the christian professor and the anti-academia like evangelical creationist christian and so all those kinds of issues trying to illustrate as i said in the intro just all the different challenges that we face and the different ways that we deal with it and um how you can either find similarities in with other people especially other Americans or be more firm in your differences because you understand them and you can decide okay well we're different you know so um and I want to show how that's almost never necessary you know like we can work it out that's the general theme of this podcast um there will be a lot of politics, American politics, discussed just because it's it's relevant to the challenges that are going on. It kind of mirrors the mass challenges, like our, our challenges as a group. So, main pieces of advice for the quarter-life crisis is going to be in part two, but I will summarize the episode with first of all, it gets better. Just mathematically, it will get better. Your financial situation is temporary because you will make more and your debts will become worth less and easier to manage. It's just math. So, um, you know, you don't have to worry about being a slave and into your fifties is what I mean. I'm not saying that it's not rough. It's bad. And I hope that They fix it, but what I mean is it's not the same as being an indentured servant like forever, you know, because if you are, once you, as long as you don't do any lifestyle inflation and pay down your loans first before you do other things and you just stay frugal until you have net zero worth, you can do pretty good by the even by the time you're 30 you can be free of debt a lot of the time because that's almost 10 years and you know you can manage the debt in a way especially if you pay it down you know in a way that doesn't stress you out so much and if you're renting it's like yeah you don't need anything anyway might as well have invested in in a degree (laughs) So, it 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 does pay for itself over time. It just doesn't pay for itself right away. Just like all investments. And um, with the social aspect, that's just hard. But you have to get used to putting yourself out there. And my main piece of advice is to travel alone. That's that's the best way to come out of your shell and get used to it because there's like a reset button and you can you know you can just go to another city and just try to talk to people and you'll be very surprised at how accepting people are if there's no pressure if you don't feel if you're just trying to have a good time and talk to people like i met musicians in greece while i was studying abroad there Um, a group of three or four musicians just because I was at a random comedy event alone and I started talking to them. They were sitting next to me and then we went and ate, um, they took me to the best, what they thought was the best restaurant in Thessaloniki and I'm inclined to agree and it was really good and we just ate dinner together, exchanged stories about our culture and then I never saw them again. We, uh, we're still friends on Facebook. You know, and I would have never done that in my earlier life before traveling, but I didn't, I wasn't afraid of embarrassing myself because who cares? You know, it doesn't matter. And I did embarrass myself and I'm still scarred by some mean people who treated me like I was being some kind of freak by being a little bit more outgoing. But... In my experience, those are more uncommon than they are common, especially if you can read the room a bit, you know, obviously, if you're at a funeral, people might not be in the same mood as at a comedy night or something like that. So anyways, the main goal is to end up finding something that you're passionate about. That is how you can achieve the symbiosis and exit the quarter life crisis. And what I've realized is that what you're passionate about, for example, for me, it's like making this podcast and writing my science fiction novellas and novels and um, website. So what happened to me was I became passionate about data analysis again, because it's what enables me to achieve my other passions. So I always worried that, well, I don't like to do anything that makes that, that, um, makes money. And I would tell you that if you don't like to do anything that makes money for me, I like to game. I like to learn random things and I learn useless things and then, um, And then, yeah, you know, basically, and you have to at least, the big thing, at least try to do something that allows you to see results over time, even if it's Minecraft. Something that allows you to look back and say, oh, I built this server, or I Contributed to this uh, server's lore and participated in the culture and was part of a community, even if it's World of Warcraft gilding, you know, Um, because when I gamed, I was only ever alone. I recorded nothing. I streamed nothing. I just played Escape from Tarkov completely alone. Never talked to a soul. And kicked ass. You know, I mean, I was really good, of course, because it's like one of the only things I did. And it was amazing. And I don't regret it. I wouldn't take it back if I could go back in time because it was lockdown, and who cares. And I had my, you know, the thing about the thing about those some games is that you can some games you can play it in a way like Minecraft, where you're doing other things at the same time. And it's just kind of up, you know, like, and then there's There's times where you have to focus and it gets really intense, but it's not constant. And so, you know, you can be you can be doing things, hanging out at the same time. So you want to try to at least have something that you can see results over time. And even if you're really bad at it, you get better. So I started podcasting a month ago and this episode is the very first actual episode I'm trying to record that will go up on Spotify. I I have a whole I have a whole month like hours and hours of material where I listen to it and I decide that it's not um, good enough. But I feel like now I've gotten enough of the hammered enough of the little uh hammered enough of the nails in, so to speak, and gotten it down enough to be at least worthy of my early episodes. But my point is that um, I love to talk. I love to talk. I love to bash Trump, bash Biden, bash everybody on politics, and then bring them up at the same time, talk about why they're good, why they're bad. But I always just did it on on, on Reddit and stuff and i would say guys like i would read it all the time and just try to turn all that into something that you can look back on and then what will happen is that will allow you to see ways in which maybe it could be turned into something and then you'll appreciate even if you're not lucky enough for it to be something that also makes money you'll appreciate your job more because it enables you to achieve something that you want to achieve. And um, your job can become, you can start doing independent contract work with less hours. We'll talk about all that in the second um, the second episode. But, you know, if, if you go into something like accounting, you can really manage your work-life balance in a way that's, you know rather ideal so there's a lot of avenues with technology to achieve that as well we're looking at almost 40 minutes which is my longest episode so far but i think that it's really important because i almost didn't make it through the quarter life crisis and i was miserable for a lot of it so this is a good part one Part two will go a little bit more elaborate and specific on solutions. And then the rest of it will be an indefinite amount of parts that are just interviews with people regarding this issue. So if so, part three will be an interview, part four interview, part five. That's kind of how I think I'm going to do these podcasts is set the themes with part one, part two monologues and then um, have interviews that either are with those themes or out on their own. So, with that, thank you very much, everybody. Stay classy. San Diego, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Boston, Jalalabad, wherever you may be.